This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Ready to jump in? You guys all ready to do this? It's, it's found in John chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. It says, in the village of Bethany, there were there was a man named Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. And one day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So his sister sent a message to Jesus, text messaged him, Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one, catch this, the one you love is very sick, please come. And when he heard this, he said, this the sickness is Jesus now saying, the sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by, by what takes place. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, catch this, he remained where he was for two more days. Wow. Finally, on the third day, he said to his disciples, come, it's time to go to Bethany. We're going to drop down to verse 11. It says, then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. It's, it's time that I go and awaken him. And when they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he's just fallen asleep, then, then he's going to get better. And, and Jesus was speaking about Lazarus's death, but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. And then Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, now catch this, this is, this is a funny part of the Bible. He says, for your sake, I'm glad. <laughs> I bet you never met a Jesus like that. He says, I'm glad I wasn't there because now, and we're going to explain this in just a moment, because now you have another opportunity to see who I am, to see who I am so that you will learn to trust me. Notice this. Come, let's go and see him. Verse 17 says, now when they arrived at Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Many friends of Mary and Martha had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed, Mary stayed, catch this, Mary stayed, we're going to talk about that, she stayed at the house. And Martha said to Jesus, catch this, my Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. And she replied, yes, Lord, I know. He'll rise with everyone else on resurrection day. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait. Powerful point here. You don't have to wait until I'm I'm the resurrection. I am the life eternal. Anyone who, 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 you don't have to wait till resurrection. Let me say it again. You don't have to wait till resurrection. And I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then Martha replied, yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the son of God who has come into the world for us. Then she, she left and hurried off to her sister, Mary, Remember who had stayed home and, and, and called her aside from the mourners and whispered to her, the master is here and he's asking for you. So, so when Mary heard this, she quickly went off to find him. And when Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, we've heard this before, Lord, 
If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all of her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. Now, we're getting ready to read the shortest verse in all the Bible. Now, I'm reading from the, the Passion Translation, but in most translations, it's just two words. Jesus wept. In verse 35, then tears streamed down Jesus' face. So if you're ever going to memorize a verse, this is your verse. Only two words in most translations. Here's verse 38. Then Jesus, with intense emotion, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over the entrance. And Jesus told them, roll away the stone. And then Martha, Martha said, but Lord, it's been four, four, four days since he died. By now, his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe in me, you would see God unveil his power? And then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted, with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. And then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who was, had died four, four, four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and feet and covering his face. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him loose. And from that day forward, many of those believed in him, for they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. Woo. Father, it's my prayer today that you would speak to us from this story, I pray, God, that you would help me to help people today. God, help us to see that you are absolutely a God of impossibilities. Help me to speak as a mouthpiece from heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As I begin to prepare for this weekend. There's so many things from this story. I've preached this story for so many times in the past, and there's so many things and so many thoughts that begin to come, come forth that I thought I could talk about. Uh, I, I could talk about how, 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 how our close relationship with God does not mean that we would, we would never have uh, problems in life. Remember that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the Bible says they were very close friends with Jesus. In fact, uh, uh, besides his disciples, this was the go-to family that Jesus kind of hung out with. Jesus loved them, but they still had a crisis in their life. So, so it'd be real easy to, to come and preach and teach and minister and, and, and to remind you that, that regardless of your relationship in life, life still... Life still happens. And, and then I thought, well, we could, talk about, we could talk about how Jesus sent his word and how he proved the power of his word by not running after his word. In other words, remember in the beginning of the story, Jesus gives the promise. He says, this sickness will not end in death. And then what happens? Jesus just stays where he's at for two more days. In other words, Jesus is saying, my word is enough. I don't have to go. And that's what you need to understand. If Jesus has said it, come on, you can, you can take it to the bank. It shall come to pass. And, and then I thought, well, well, we could talk about, 
we could talk about how you don't have to wait until the resurrection when Jesus comes back, his second coming. Because in the story, he says, he, he was telling Martha and Mary, he says, you don't have to wait. Uh, you, you don't have to wait until heaven, that you can have it now. You can, you can have your healing now. You can have your provision now. We don't have to wait till heaven. We can have it right now. And then I thought how we could... We could teach about the need for others in our relationships. Remember, Jesus, uh, he brings life to Lazarus, and then he tells the others, now, now go take the grave clothes off of him. And it's a picture of what happens when, when Jesus gives life to us. Well, Jesus gives life to us, but in order for us to, listen, walk in freedom, uh, God wants us to get involved with relationships. In other words, we're supposed to be people who help take off grave clothes from one Another, that's the reason why Jesus says to share your, 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 your issues with one another so that you would be healed. The importance of community, and you'll never walk in freedom as a lone ranger. It's important that you have powerful, godly relationships in order for, in order for grave clothes to come off your life. So I thought, well, that, that would be, we, we ought to focus on that. And then I thought that, that this really, we could talk about how this really isn't about Lazarus' Lazarus's death only, but, but it was really Jesus delaying and allowing Lazarus to die so that he could accelerate his own death, burial, and resurrection. You, you got to catch this. You see, uh, within days of this miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, uh, the word got out to all the religious leaders that this miracle had happened, and now all the religious leaders are feeling threatened, and, 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 and they're threatened by Jesus' teachings and his power, and he's, they're, they're, they're threatened by his popularity. So what do they do? Just days later, they end up arresting Jesus. They end up beating Jesus. They, they end up falsely accusing Jesus, and you know what they then do? They nail him to a cross and crucify him. Jesus dying for my sins. Jesus dying for your sins, and Jesus died for humanity's sins. And then they took that body just days later, and they laid that body in its own tomb, the same body that had just called Lazarus forth from the dead. But on Easter Sunday morning, oh, I'm excited about Easter. Is anybody excited about Resurrection Sunday? But on Easter Sunday morning, there is a better story that began to emerge. Those eyes that closed on the cross popped open in the grave. Those fingers that went limp because of the nails on that cross straightened in that dark tomb. That body that was crushed on the cross regained its strength. And that body, Jesus, our Messiah, walked up out of that tomb. And Jesus is alive today saying, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you'll believe in me, you will have eternal life. In fact, it's, it's the main story in the story of, of Lazarus. So I thought how easy it would be, be, be to talk on the delays of Jesus are just accelerating a better God story for your life. But today, we're not going to talk about any of those. This, this is what we're going to talk about at all the campuses. We're just going to simply talk about four days dead. Four days dead. Dead. Say that when we say four days dead. That's beautiful. You didn't say it at Fresno, and you didn't say it at Madeira. We're going to try one more time. Shout it out. Four days dead. Four days dead. That's what we're going to talk about. Four days dead. Now, everybody knows the old saying, it's not over until 
it's over. First service said, until the fat lady sings. No, no, that's not, not, no. It's not over until it's, it's over. But we all know this too. When it's over, it's over. When it's over, it's over. Think about it. There's never been a comeback in any kind of sporting event after the clock ran out. Why? Because when it's over, it's over. In fact, sometimes <laughs> it's over before it's over. Right? This happens in basketball all the time. Any March Madness fans out there? Any basketball fans? I know they're over in Fresno for sure. Some of you got your brackets all messed up already. But, but, but a lot of times in basketball, it's, it's over way before it's over. I mean, there can be 30 seconds on the clock, right? And, 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 and a team will be down by 29 points. And, and, and what does the coach do? We only got 30 seconds. And what does the coach do? He calls a timeout. He's down by 29 points. He calls a timeout, and he grabs that, that little sketchboard he has, right? He grabs it, and he gets his team over there, and he begins to start masterminding a play for them to get back in the game. Coach, it's, there's only 30 seconds left, and you're down by 29 points. It's, it's over. It, it's over. Put your little pad down. The game is over. Um, take your loss. Comfort your team. You see, in our, in our realm, in our understanding, in our world, this whole concept of it's over is, is really very, very clear. Um, but when it comes to, to God... This is what I've learned. I've lived long enough to learn this now. This is what I've learned about our God. With God, it's never over until he says it's over. That'd be a great place to clap. Be a great place to shout. Uh, some of you here today or on one of the campuses, you've concluded that certain things in your life are over. Certain dreams or passions or ideas or hopes or desires. But I'm here to tell somebody today, it's not over until God says it's over. And the story we just read is absolute proof of what I'm teaching today. Here is Jesus. He gets word that Lazarus is deathly sick. Now, remember, these are Jesus' friends. The Bible says that Jesus loved this family. He cared about this family. He, he spent time hanging out with this family. And this is what's so crazy about this, this story is Jesus hears that his friend is sick, and instead of immediately going to Lazarus, he just continues to do what he was doing, and he does it for two more days. I mean, this is his, his friend. And, and, and to cap it off, Jesus intentionally does this. He does it deliberately, and he, he just waits for Lazarus to die. And it happens because Lazarus goes from dying to dead. So in other words, in the story, it, it's, it's, it's over. It's absolutely over. Coach, put your little pad down. The, the, the game is, it's over. And it's at that moment in the story that Jesus then tells his disciples, okay, guys, 
it's time to go because, because Lazarus is, is sleeping. And, and the disciples responded that moment, well, if Lazarus is sleeping, then, then he's going to get better. And Jesus just has to tell them the truth. He says, he's, he's dead. Lazarus is dead. Can you imagine the, the disciples' response in that, that moment? Like, really? Like, like, I think we messed up, Jesus. We probably should have left two days ago. Why did you, why did you wait around? If, he, if, he's, if he's dead, we, we, we've missed it. And so here is Jesus, the disciples. They're heading to Bethany. They get close to Bethany, and Martha comes running to Jesus. And Martha says this. I want you to hear today. If you would have been here, this would not have happened. In fact, three times in that story, you see that statement. If you would have been here, this would have not have happened. In other words, she was saying, God, where were you? Where were you? Where were you when I needed you the most in my life? I mean, you was only two miles away, Jesus. You were that busy that you couldn't interrupt your schedule to come help somebody that you loved and you cared about. He was your friend. If you, if you really cared, if you really loved us, wouldn't you have taken the time and, and, and helped us in our time of, of need? But, but, now, but now, Jesus, it's four, four days, and Lazarus is dead, and we, we already had his funeral. We've wrapped him in a mummy suit. We've laid him in a tomb. Jesus is over for so many of us. Uh, we feel like this. We feel like it's over. In fact, what's really amazing about this story is that Mary feels so much like this that she doesn't even come out to talk to Jesus. She doesn't want to see Jesus. Martha runs to Jesus. Mary closes the blinds, locks the doors, and stays in the house. She's so discouraged. She's so disappointed. She cannot believe that it's taken Jesus that long, four days to get where they're at. Jesus, it's just a, thanks for coming. We had his funeral, but I'm just here. It's just a little too late. It is, it is over. Have you ever felt like, like that? Jesus, where, where were you when I needed you the most? Jesus, where were you when I had that accident? Jesus, where were you when I was being abused? Where, where were you when, when I became that addict? Where were you when those people betrayed me? And where were you when I was being mistreated? And where were you when my family got all messed up? Where were you when my marriage was falling I know I've got to be talking to somebody at one of our campuses today. Have you, have you ever said that to God? Where were you when my child rebelled against me? Where were you when we lost everything? Where were you when my business failed? And where were you when my health began to fade away? And some of you here today, you're saying, where were you as I aged and struggled with all this sickness? God, I thought you were a good God. I thought you were a God that saves. I thought you were a God that helps. I thought you were a God that heals, that delivers, that restores, that provides. Where were you? 
Boy, did I ever have a where were you moment several years back, just a few years back. Probably the darkest time of my life. And yet in the midst of that, I was pastoring. I was still getting up here every week, preaching my heart out, doing what we do, helping people. But so many things in my life happened within the course of about a year and a half that put me in a very dark place in my life that left me saying, God, where were you? You, you could have fixed this. You could have changed this. Really, Lord? You're just going to let my dad have a stroke? You could, you could have showed up and you could have, you could have fixed this. You're just going to let us lose that building? God, you could have showed up and you could have... God, really? You're going to let this become our family? You're going to let this pay? God, where, where are you, God? Where were We've given our life to you. We're, we're serving you. We're doing everything we know to do, and you don't even come. You're just a few miles away, and you don't even have the courtesy to show up on time to fix my problem. So easy to get disappointed with God. When God doesn't do what you want him to do or what you think he should do. Some of you here today are one of the campuses. This is exactly how you feel, and that's why you're here today. And, and this is what I've learned from my experience and now from extracting it out of this story. There are two things, there are two things that you need to remember when you think it's over. When, when you feel like your Lazarus has died, when you feel like your dream has died, your hope has died, your desire has died, when you feel like it's too late, this, this is what you need to do in your life. You need to remember two things. Here, here's the first thing. Number one is you need to remember God does care. Because I can remember... I can remember in that dark moment of my life that that was the lie of the enemy. God doesn't care because if you think God doesn't care, you'll run from God instead of running to God. And that's the biggest lie of the enemy is he wants you to think because of your circumstance and because of your pain that God doesn't care. But this, show, this story shows us something different, that God really does care. You see, it's when you're in that dead situation. It's when you think it's over, when you think it's too late, when you think there's no hope. It's so easy to think that God doesn't care. But can I remind you what it said in this passage of story? In John eleven thirty three, it says, When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet, and all her friends who were there with her grieving. Notice what Jesus does in this moment. This is your master, Savior. He, he is, he's the one that died upon the cross for you. The Bible says he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. And then hear this, then tears, then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Wow. I think, I think the church I was raised in forgot to tell me about this, this verse. I had no idea that really Jesus would weep with me, that Jesus would 
Feel my pain enough to cry? Because you've got to understand, why is Jesus crying here? He's not crying because he feels the loss of Lazarus. He knows in just a few moments he's going to raise Lazarus back from the dead. So why is Jesus crying here? Why is Jesus weeping here? Jesus is weeping because of his friends. He's weeping because of Mary and Martha. They're broken. They're sad. They're full of pain. They're in hurt, and that hurt rips the heart of Jesus out, and he begins to weep with them. This is so amazing to me. Here is Jesus. He's looking at their disappointment. He's looking at their hurt. He's looking at their pain and their suffering. And it's in that moment that this emotion wells up on the inside of Jesus, and Jesus in Scripture loses it and begins to weep. Hello, men begins to weep. What's the point here? The point is this. Jesus is showing us that we have a God that really does care. Hear, hear, hear what I'm getting ready to say. Listen, Jesus feels our pain. He feels our disappointment when we're broken and when we're hurting. Even when Jesus knows the end of our story, listen, he feels your hurt, he feels your pain, of your unfinished story, and he'll weep in the midst of that with you. He knows it's all going to work out for your good. He knows at the end of the day, the chapter ends really well, but he'll back up in your story when it's unfinished, and he feels the pain of the moment, and he weeps when you're weeping. He hurts when you're hurting, even though he knows at the end of the day, it's all going to be what kind of God is is that it's a God that, that cares. And the enemy would like you to think that he doesn't, he doesn't care. So when you think it's over, the next time you bump into that, where were you, Lord, and why, why, why is this going on? I, you need to remind yourself that God does care. Here, here's the second thing that you need to remember when you think it's over. Remember that Jesus always has a better story for you. Remember that Jesus always has a better story for you. You, you know this story really isn't about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But, but this is about God's story that was actually rewriting their story. Uh, in other words, there's a, there's a bigger story going on than what we just read. Let, let me explain some, some background here. You see, Mary and Martha were, had grown up in Jewish culture. So, so in other words, they, they, they went to Sunday school, Sunday school, so to speak, or, or we could say they went to the synagogues, and the rabbis would teach them as, as children growing up, their customs and their beliefs. Now, one of their beliefs uh, was, was this, that when a person had died, that their soul, the soul of that person that had died, that soul would not go to the afterlife immediately, but for three days. This, this is what they believed. This is what they were taught growing up. 
They, they believe that that soul of that person, once they died, would hover over their body with the possibility of returning to their body. But then they were taught on the fourth day, everybody say the fourth day, that that soul would actually go into the afterlife forever, never to return. They, they were taught this going to church every week. They were taught this by the, the rabbis. So, so they were taught that it was on the fourth day that it was officially declared it is over. Coach, put down your tablet. Face reality. The game is over. So, so for three days, there's still hope in their, in their lives. But on the fourth day, it's just too late. It's over. So for Mary and Martha in this story, the bigger story is they're living on the fourth day. See, in their thinking, they needed Jesus to come on the first day. I mean, if you're not going to come while he's alive, then they'll at least have enough courtesy to come when his soul is hovering over his body. You've got to come on the first day to, to fix our problem. And if you can't come on the first day, can you rearrange your schedule to at least come on the, the second day? And if you can't fix that, you've got, oh, God, please, oh, God, please, you've got to at least come on the third day. But, <laughs> but Jesus, he's crazy. He don't come on the first day. He don't come on the second day. And he doesn't come on the third day. He chooses to come on the when it's too late, when it's over, when time was up. Now, hear this, hear this, everybody, and all the campuses. When everybody was saying time's up, when others had given up, when others were saying it stinks, this is really a bad situation, there's no hope, it's too late, this is when Jesus chooses to show up. <laughs> this is the bigger story in the story. And as our worship team comes back, you might be asking, why would Jesus come on the fourth day? We don't have to wonder. He told us why he came on the fourth day. Let me read it to you one more time in John eleven four. This is why when he heard this, he said, this is Jesus talking, this sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. Here it is. This, this will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. See? And then in verse 14, he goes on to say, he makes it even clearer, then Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead. And here's the funny part of the Bible, and for your sake, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad he's dead. I'm, 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 I'm glad that, that, that God is bad as it did. I'm glad you went through that moment. Why, why would you be glad? Because it's going to allow me to show you who I really, really am. He said, he said I'm glad I wasn't there because now you have another opportunity whew, to see who I am. So you will learn to trust me. Come on, that's what we need to do. You see, this was about Jesus revealing himself, the bigger picture, about Jesus revealing himself as God. 
who had the power to rewrite this story on the fourth day. Wow. You see, up to this point, if you read the Gospels, you would understand that, that everybody up to this point knew Jesus as a healer. That's all he did. He went from city to city, town to town, healing those who were sick. They had all seen Jesus as a healer, but now they're getting ready to see Jesus with the power and the authority to raise a dead man back to life. So Jesus is saying to them up to this point, I've been dealing with sickness. I've been dealing with disease but this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to start dealing with dead things. Wow. So, so I don't need a sick guy. So as long as he's sick, I'm going to stay right here. And we might as well go ahead and use my friend Lazarus. And we're going to wait for him to die. Because I'm going to reveal and show my, my power that regardless how bad it stinks and how bad it gets, and how too late you think it is, and how too far you think it. I, I'm going to show them that I can raise dead things back to life. Um, I mean, let's just be honest at all the campuses. Uh, for so many of you, you don't need a Jesus that heals. You need a Jesus that can raise dead things back to life. Um, in, in our lives, some things aren't just sick. There's some things that are, well, let me just tell, tell you what I mean, like, like I'm, I'm hearing it. There's dead marriages that need to be raised back to life. There's dead finances that need to be raised back to life. There's dead situations. Listen, listen it's, it's gone from being sick to dead, and, and Jesus is showing you that regardless how bad it gets, I'm, I have authority over that situation too. So, so, so it don't matter if you've got a dead marriage, a dead relationship, a dead business, a dead dream, a dead promise. I can handle, I can deal with the impossibilities of your life. Some of you have concluded that it's over. In fact, at all of our campuses, would you just stand and we're, we're going to begin to make transition. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. And like I said, at all the campuses, I, I would urge you not to leave because this service isn't over. And I really believe as we go back into worship after we, after, we, after we give and worship the Lord with our giving, I really believe that God's going to do something that's really special in our lives in that moment. Because some of you, for some of you got here so late, you weren't, weren't even part of our worship in the beginning. And for some of you, you, you didn't have a desire to worship because you were hurting, you were in pain. But, but now you understand, you understand that, that Jesus cares and that God cares. And I really believe in this moment that we're going to go into that in just a moment, we're going to be able to open our mouths and open our hearts. And God's going to bring a healing into our lives that we've needed for a long time. I, I can tell you, I'm not living in that dark place anymore. And I'm telling you, you don't have to live in that dark place anymore. Why? God 
cares for you. And God is rewriting a better story for your life. So some of you have concluded it's over. The dream, the passion, the idea, the desire, the hope, it's just too late. It's four days dead. It's over. But I've come with a word for celebration today. God is still God even on the fourth day. Even on the fourth day. You've been thinking God doesn't care, but God does care. And God is rewriting that story like I just said. Here's what I want to tell you as we close before I pray for you. Don't let your Lazarus die. Oh, I can see it so clearly now. I can see why the enemy was trying to take me to a dark place. He didn't want me to move forward. He didn't want me standing on this pulpit today preaching to you, helping you. He wanted me to throw in the towel. He wanted me to quit. And I'm here to tell you, he wants your Lazarus to die too. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus can resurrect the dead things in your life. Don't let your Lazarus die. Don't let your dream die. Don't let your passion die. Come on, don't let your promise die. It's not too late. It can live. It's never over until God says it's over. You just bow your heads, close your eyes. It's not too late. It might be the fourth day, but my God specializes in those difficult impossibilities. Father, I thank you today for this story. God, there's so much in this story. But I think, Lord, that we have, we have communicated the part of the story that you wanted celebration to hear this weekend. God, I pray today for those that feel like it's too late. They feel like it's over. They, they, they have found themselves, God, saying over and over and over again, where were you? God, the enemy has lied to so many. So many don't think you care. But I thank you today that the lies are being exposed and that, God, we're even seeing the tears roll down your face today that you truly do care about our situation. And you're actually involved rewriting the story to even be a better story. So, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself and show your power, just like you did when you raised Lazarus from the dead. God, I pray over your people today at all of our campuses that, God, you'd raise dead things back to life, promises and dreams and ideas and passions and relationships, families. God, that which seemed like it's, it's over, would you do it? again in our lives. And God, I believe celebration has been stirred with this story. And we're declaring today, Lord, we believe that you can do it again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, take people out of that dark place out of that lonely place. God, those that feel abandoned, God, do a mighty work in their life. At all of our campuses, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, 
The last thing I want to do is just give an opportunity for those that may not, may not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They may, maybe you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. Actually, one of the main plots or themes of this story is really about the gospel, how Jesus died for you. And the Bible says all that called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved because, because Jesus died upon a cross, took your sin, took your penalty, and was raised from the dead so that you could be raised back up to eternal life. And all you got to do to receive eternal life is just believe in Jesus. As I look all over this congregation there in Madeira, there in Fresno, if that's you today, you don't have a relationship with, with God and you want to surrender your life, or you say, Pastor, I've done that at one time, but I'm not living for God, and what I need to do is rededicate my life. Listen, I'm going to include you in on that prayer too. All you have to do is just pray it with all your guts, mean it with everything that's on the inside of you. And I'm here to tell you it'll be a life-changing moment. If that's you here today at one of our campuses, would you just pray this prayer? In fact, everybody, would you pray this prayer as just a means of support for those that might be praying this for the first time or the hundredth time? Just, just pray it out loud. Come on. With all your guts, say, say, Father God, today I surrender my life to you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me, rose from the grave, and I receive the free gift. Father, forgive me for all my sins. And with your help, from this day forward, I'm going to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.